Hello, and welcome to my first podcast of Theodora Speaks, a podcast series that features risk-taking women who have reinvented themselves throughout their many seasons of life. My podcast series, Theodora Speaks, will feature a Theodora. And what is a Theodora, you might ask? A Theodora is the hero of her family. She's the hero of her peers. But most of all, she is her own hero who recognizes her ability to have a courageous mindset to take a leap of faith, take a risk, and follow her career aspirations. Each podcast will feature a Theodora, a woman who has taken that risk, that leap of faith, followed her instincts to pursue her career aspirations in the many seasons of life, while also having a family and other responsibilities and finding a balance while fulfilling her career aspirations and feeling fulfilled and satisfied. I'm excited to introduce my first podcast guest to you today, Lindsay Sievert. She is one of my oldest and dearest friends. We started our friendship back at Indiana University and we have been kindred spirits ever since. Why I asked Lindsay to be my first podcast guest is because her season of life throughout her career and, and being a risk taker has inspired me as a Theodora. And I want to inspire all of you that you can too tap into your instincts and follow your dreams to take that risk. Lindsay has traveled coast to coast and has worked at various television stations throughout the U.S. She is an award-winning journalist, is an Emmy Edward R. Murrow and Alfred I. DuPont award-winning journalist and documentary filmmaker. She also has a documentary streaming on Amazon today and the like called Love Them First. And she's going to tap into that a little bit later in today's podcast. What I'm super excited to share with you today is the three tools that she will share with you. They are trusting your instincts, finding a mentor early on in your career, and how to fail forward in order to take that leap of faith, be a risk taker, and follow your career dreams. Well, thank you for being my first podcast guest. And uh, I know we've had some technical difficulties on both sides of the fence. That makes for an exciting first podcast. So appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you, Gail. I so appreciate it. Thanks for hanging with me with the technical troubles. And these days, I always say it wouldn't be a Zoom call or some sort of pandemic, you know, recording or technology without a few blips. So. So let's roll with the punches and like I like to call it, wing it. So let's just dive right in. I'd love for you to share more about what fuels your passion for writing and storytelling. Hmm. Well, I've been a writer as long as I can remember. I even just have very early memories. I think I was in first grade and I wrote my first book, you know, about my, my dog and I read it to my first grade class. And it just has been sort of words have always been my art form. And I have also very early memories of one of my first female role models, who was Jessica Savage. And she was the first woman to anchor a nightly newscast. And um, she was sadly and tragically, you know, killed in a car accident, but she had uh, a Sunday night newscast. And I remember when I was three years old, 
I would set up a little table in my living room with my papers and I would make my, my dog, we had a poodle named Alex and um, my sister was a little baby and, and my dog Alex and my sister would be my audience and I would, I would give little newscasts along with her. And so I just always knew somewhere inside me, it's like in the fiber of my being that I was going to be a storyteller and a journalist and there was never any question of anything otherwise. And so as my life unfolded, you know, I always say my parents gave me the gift of curiosity, the ability to ask questions. And as teachers, they really sort of foster that, that curiosity within me. And it just carried me forward into being a journalist due to working for my high school paper, having internships in high school at my, my local hometown newspapers, and then eventually to Indiana University, where I, I sought that school out because it was one of the top journalism schools. And little did I know it would lead me to you. Well, before we dive into that and in our history of friendship, it's, it's fascinating, Lindsay, that you've stayed the course and you found your passion at age three and you're still doing it today, you know, in your early 40s. So that's really, really commendable. Well, thanks. I, you know, sometimes I don't even know if it's, it was really a choice. It was just something that maybe I, I was just destined for and, and it was just, yeah, I'm just kind of living out my purpose in many ways. And yes, it's had twists and turns. It's not always straight and narrow, but it is just something that um, is like an extension of me. Storytelling is, is great groundwork for so, so many different career paths. And, um, and I think, you know, it, many, many students right now studying journalism might not ever be practicing journalists, but, you know, so many go into law or politics or like you, you know, sales and marketing. So like learning how to tell your story um, can take you so far. Communication is huge. Um, I tell my little daughters that as well, right? You always have to articulate to the best of your ability and use your words. And, and that's something that we carry with us, not only in our professions, but in our personal lives, right? And our friendship has really endured many seasons of life from going to college, being single, newly married, starting our families, working, you know, on our corporate careers, and now in the new season of reinvention. Uh, in our early 40s. So it's it's interesting that, you know, over 20 years later, we're parallel lives again of being women that are reinventing themselves. Yeah, I like to think back to when I had a, a news job as a reporter in Reno, Nevada. And right around the same time, Gail, you took a job in San Francisco. And that was only what? We were only about three hours apart then. It was yes. Like the closest we had lived, you know, for a while. And so on weekends, I would take these you know, road trips down to see Gail in San Francisco. And we saw each other a lot more when we were both on the West Coast. And that was sort of like the beginning of our journey as, as professional women in our, you know, 20s. And um, gosh, the stories we, we knew were ahead. And um, it's just fun to think back, you know, to that, to that time when we were just, you know, I, I think I was maybe two years as a local news reporter. And, and why did you go to San Francisco? You, what job was that again? Uh, I was working for another advertising agency. That's right. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. as a media buyer and planner. I remember your studio, cute little studio apartment. And um, yeah, so we, we've come really far and it, it's kind of fun. Now we find ourselves in our past our 40th year, really like taking, uh, you know, a, a, a right turn, you know, more of an abrupt turn to um, seek more balance and to really kind of back to that passion and purpose. I think that's what really aligns with both of us right now is we're really trying to answer a calling, not only to our families, but our, but our professional purpose and how we can contribute to the world. What advice would you give your 20-something self? 
Oh, that is such a great question. And it's so nice to have a few decades now in the rearview mirror to be able to look upon that time. Um, the 20s were such an era of, of defining myself in my career and um, as a television news reporter and where was I headed and would I ever get there? So if I look back, I would really tell myself to trust your instincts, that your own intuition is more powerful than you'll ever realize, and to trust your gut and that, and that inner voice that that really that the whisper inside you always knows and, and to hold on to that and trust that and make that a more powerful force than your self-doubt. If I look back at all these different points in my life, somewhere inside I knew, I knew where the right answer was and sometimes I would listen to my head more than my heart. So that's what I would tell that 20 year old Lindsay who was a little lost and scared at times is trust your instincts. It's one of the reasons I think I gravitated towards you back when we met in college. You know, we like to take risks, but we, all, we also both listen to our guts mm -hmm. and follow that instinct. It's really great advice. Yeah. So I'd love to learn more about that spark that's been reignited in you, Lindsay. And tell us more about your reasons for leaving the network, corporate America, to pursue your dreams of launching Siebert Studios. So I was a news reporter uh, almost 19 years, so almost two decades, and that spanned a number of states and a number of news stations. And I did absolutely love it, but it came to the point when I had two children. It was really the birth of, of my daughter, Phoebe, our, our second child that really sort of threw me more out of balance. And I just, I, you know, felt like in a state of constant depletion, even though I was working in a job I loved, it's, it's tough. It's, it's shift work you know, the world is really difficult right now. And, and a lot of the world has turned against media. There's just a lot of inherent stress. You witness a lot of trauma and the work, work is heavy. It is emotional. It is gutting and it is a frenetic pace. And when you do that day after day and you do shift work and you get home at midnight and your baby wakes up all night long and, or you, you know, have to get up at 5am because that's when your kids wake up. Um, I really felt myself wearing down physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, knew I needed a change. And then at the same time, as my kids were growing older, you know, both had, you know, some special needs. And my, my son has some, some special needs with, you know, ADHD and anxiety. Our daughter is hearing impaired, as you know, and, and they both had a lot of appointments and therapies that I was not able to take them to, you know, here I was having a nanny take them to the appointments or um, my mom. And, and, and so it just felt like the engine of our family was suffering. And it was kind of feeling like, you know, I was, my job was, tilting my family into more of a state of like duress. And so had some decisions to make. And around the same time, you know, I stumbled upon this wonderful story that became a documentary, which is um, the Love Them First documentary. Um, we, it's out on Amazon Prime and um, for free on YouTube. So you can check that out. But the Love Them First documentary, which, which brought me inside a, a, a school in North Minneapolis for a year, um, really was sort of like the stirrings inside of my soul that that maybe I was meant for more, you know, and, and documentary work was kind of also leading me to that next chapter. And I don't know, Gail, I said this to you, or if you reminded me of this, but I, I was telling somebody I went to college with that, you know, I think I want to get more into documentary work. And someone reminded me, well, you used to talk about that when you're in college, you mm -hmm. used to talk about that you wanted to do documentaries. And I kind of forgotten that, you know? Yes, yes. And so from there, I just, you know, I just decided I had a decision to make. And, you know, my son who was seven at the time said, you know, mommy only gets home at 
when it's dark outside. You know, mommy only gets home. You know, I was barely saying goodnight to him. So I had a decision to make. And I knew I needed to kind of take that leap of faith. And, you know, my, my mantra was like, let my faith be greater than my fear. And, and trust that, that this documentary is leading me somewhere and trust that, that feeling of like dissonance inside you. Like trust that and, and fix that. And so that's what led me to end my contract at my uh, NBC news station and say, I'm going to take a, take a, that, that leap of faith, going to walk with faith into this new chapter. It's a great, great story. And, you know, you did it in the year of 2020. We're in a global pandemic and people would say, that's a huge risk, Lindsay, to leave something safe, what you know, to really change it up, even though your family needs you. Um, but I, I commend you for doing that and listening to your calling because your kids are only young once and you can never replace family. I wasn't ready to go like full freelance. I wanted some security. So I spent a year in, in the corporate world and through that experience, it was a great experience, but I also realized like, you know, I really, I don't think I'm a corporate fit either. I don't feel like I fit into that mold. And that was also the, um, startings inside me to say, take that leap, go freelance, um, start that production company and follow um, your heart to, to create more, you know, st put more stories into the world um, that bring more light into the world and, and find those stories that like harvest light um, because that's what the world needs more than ever right now. Yes, yes. And you can put a great spotlight on it and, and tell the stories of the people's voices. Yeah. And I think that that's, a, I wanted to have more control over the stories that I was telling, you know, in, in a newsroom or a company, you, you can have, you can share your ideas, but I wanted to kind of like chart my own course and, and really like follow the stories that I felt that needed to be released into the world. So that, that's part of it. So right now I'm in development, a lot of different things. Um, there's so many stories to tell in 2020. Um, it, it's a little bit hard with the pandemic, obviously. Um, but, but you find ways. And, and so, one of my friends reminded me that you can find creativity in times of constraint. And I've thought about that a lot over the past few weeks, mm -hmm. that sometimes when we're pressed and constrained, that's when the brightest ideas come. Mm -hmm. And so kind of listening to that and, and, and holding space for that is, mm -hmm. is where I'm at right now too. I know we were both feeling that, that those similar strains, it's like, you can't do it all, right? And so how did you decide, Gail, to, to make that leap? I know you, you thought about it for a while too. I did. I thought about it for a few years. Um, and when I became a mom, you know, it was, I, I love my job and I love being a mom and my career was taking off and I, I loved the company, Fortune 500 company I was working with and I was really growing there, but we also wanted to grow our family. And so we had a second child, another daughter, um, blessed with her presence back in 2019. And I just started feeling calling, called more towards the home to be more present. My husband travels a lot and I wanted to be more present with the girls and, and help them have a solid foundation of someone always being there for them. Um, that was really important to me because my mom stayed home uh, with my brother and I when we were very young. So I really appreciated that and it gave me a lot of the values into my character that I am today. So a compilation of, you know, my dad being sick and being a mom of two little girls and loving my job, I felt the constraints and something had to give. And then when the pandemic hit this uh, back in 2020, it was just so obvious what I had to do. But it was a very hard decision, Lindsay, to pull that ripcord out of corporate America right now. 
uh, was tough. And I've realized that it's a season of life and life is in a linear line. There's different branches and waves that happen uh, for good and for challenges, but challenges present opportunity. And so I took more of the positive approach and said, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna reinvent myself. I actually, Lindsay was called to motivational speaking and enlightening audiences for the working woman and to help put a spotlight on her and help women to reinvent themselves. And so I wanna be that outlet for them to showcase women who I, I call Theodorus. And the persona is women that wanna reinvent themselves. They're risk takers. They're not afraid of a challenge and, and they look forward to you know, following their dreams, if you will. So going back to that parallel lives, uh, you know, from Ernie Pyle on to 2020, back in 2019, we both turned 40. And for my birthday, I gave birth to our second daughter and started feeling this calling towards motivational speaking and, and giving back, helping working women. For your 40th birthday, your award-winning documentary, Love Them First, debuted in Minneapolis. Fast forward to you were on the circuit of film festivals and I flew out to Arizona to attend one of your festivals. And um, I was sitting in the seats and in the first 10 minutes probably cried at least 12 times. I was very moved. And you, Lindsay, inspired me through that documentary to start tapping into my calling and, and start seeking the reinvention of where I wanted to go now that I was a mom. So I want to thank you for that. I was very, very moved. Thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful to have a friend that would, you know, fly, you know, to Arizona to, to support, to support me. And, you know, and, and you, you gave the birth to your daughter, but like, you know, a, a documentary project is also like birthing something. And it, I think for me, it was like a rebirth. And so the fact that you supported me just means the world. Well, I'll always support you. I'm one of your biggest cheerleaders. You know that. And I love you very much. Oh, I love, I love you so much too. And I just, I appreciate, I think sometimes when you go through this transition in life, it feels a little lonely. And I think I grappled sometimes with, I don't know, feelings of like maybe guilt, like, oh, I can't do it all. Or, or um, would people think I was like selling out, right? Like I've, you know, I, I remember sometimes when people would leave journalism, I think, you know, for their family, I, w I wouldn't understand that because I, I, you just can't, you can't possibly understand what it's like to, to raise two children and have a demanding job. And, and when I found myself there, I, I thought of the times that maybe that I, you know, wrongly judged people making that decision and, and here I was. And so, I don't know, I just kind of felt like, you know, what, you know, that little part of you that feels like you, you do worry what people think. Right. And, but then you know what you need to do. And, mm -hmm. and I, I just knew that I needed to move forward. So it was a constant struggle. And I think that's why it took a few years for me to make this decision to actually leave a job that I loved, a company that I, I still love to this day and admire. And I'm grateful for the opportunity and growth that it gave me. And I was on a real role and trajectory and I, and I loved that, but I realized that I, I couldn't be all things to all people. And I also realized after the birth of our second daughter that there is this gray area for many, many years, Lindsay, and I think, you know, you kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago. I thought a woman was either a working woman, a working mom, or a stay-at-home mom. And those were your options. That was it. 
And then it kind of hit me that there's this gray area and maybe I could do something that I'm called to because I love to work. I love to help people, motivate people, but I also want to raise two good beings in this world. And especially having two girls, I really want to help them. The world is a hard place and, and women need to be uplifted and, and, and guided. And so I want to kind of have a twofold approach, right? Helping working women, but then also help raise two daughters to be good people in this world and to be kind and caring and also driven, right? And, and hardworking. And so, I, and I also wanted to be around, you know, for my husband too, right? I got married for a reason. I had children for a reason. And so just started tapping into that calling and saying, okay, it's a season of life. I'm going to reinvent myself for now. I can always go back to the company that I loved and I recently left, um, if they'll have me, right? I, I, I still will always admire the people, the company, the customers, the partners, but I admire Work, uh, working women a little bit more right now in this season of life and, and, and to help them. And, and it helps me, right? It taps into one of my other strengths. By trade, I'm a sales and marketing professional, but I also have strong communication skills. And I, I want to continue to follow that and tap into back into my journalism. And, you know, you're doing documentaries, but I really want to do this, this podcast and, and feature these Theodoras that are out there. Well, it's really meaningful. And I think a lot of times your life work is, is sort of minding and following your legacy. I do believe that some of those traits are passed on and, and the legacy work now is for our children, as you, as you so beautifully mentioned. And I think that's one thing that I've always admired about you, Gail, is just like your absolute moxie. Like, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to climb this mountain and I'm never going to give up. I mean, you're in a, a very male-dominated industry. Sales still is male-dominated. and and you had to fight harder than most. And I'd say every job that I've had has been male dominated. And I think a lot of the women listening to this podcast can relate to that and, and feel the, the positives and the challenges, you know, that come with asserting yourself in the man's world. What does taking a risk mean to you? I think taking a risk means that your faith has to be greater than your fear that you're, you're willing to stand out on the ledge and peer over the cliff and maybe not know what's going to catch you, but trust that something will. And I think that's a, as I've gone into this latest phase in life of, of leaving a, a career that had these obvious stair steps and now, now what? And feeling like I was at a plateau and I needed to climb again. And so I think that became somewhat of a mantra for me in the past few years is, make sure that your faith is greater than your fear. And, and, and surely there are times when those, those fears rise up. But I think, again, if we go back to the foundation of trusting your instincts, I think that is what can contribute to the wisdom of knowing um, your timing and knowing when to kind of step out on faith. And that perhaps taking that risk, you really you check in with your gut to take that leap, it sounds like. Yeah, I think, you know, do, doing that, I mean, it's so simple, that gut check, but I can think of, you know, different jobs I've taken where, you know, I, I had a little bit of that, like, internal dissonance or that cognitive dissonance, like, hmm, something doesn't feel right, and it turned out that was true, and so, um, you know, like, right now in this latest phase in life, I knew I needed the, the, the balance of family, and with distance learning and the pandemic, I knew that I couldn't do both, and and just trusting that, I have limits and capacity and, and that I'm exactly where I need to be. 
So I think that really is something that I've been um, reflecting on lately, you know, make sure that your, your faith is greater than your fear. And for me, that's what risk taking is all about. I love it. And, you know, myself included, taking a risk is scary, right? It's that, it's that leap into the unknown. And our listeners probably feel that same angst as they grapple with decision-making and should they, shouldn't they take this risk now in their lives? Mm-hmm. What tools, as you climbed your mountain, mm-hmm. right, after you plateaued, what tools helped you take your risk to reinvent yourself today? I think seeking out mentors was a big tool for me. I I had about a year where I gave myself this little challenge, like once a month, I'm going to seek out someone that I admire, someone that has taken a risk themselves, someone that has gone through a transition or reinvention and take them to coffee or lunch, or these days it's a Zoom call, right? But, um, and find out how they did it and what lessons did they learn along the way. And I remember one of the first people I asked um, out to coffee was a former news anchor who had gone on to start her own production company. And she said, you know, I remember when I was your age working in a newsroom with two little kids, I was 38 years old and I was crying in an edit bay every day because something didn't feel right. And she said, are you 38? I said, I am. And she goes, yeah, that's, that's when it started for me. And finding people that, that sort of walk the same path as me, or maybe they didn't, but, but they, they share some sort of universal truth with you. And for me, that was people who are juggling families and demanding careers. Um, and so I, I, I took people out to coffee or lunch. I found these mentors, these sort of guiding lights in my journey over the course of a year. And I would kind of take a nugget of wisdom from them and internalize it and, and process it and, and use that as a tool to move forward. And I think each of those like women that I met along the way gave me a little bit more courage to take that leap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Power with numbers, right? You need a village. It takes a village. Yeah. And sometimes you, you don't have it. So you have to create it. And that, that can feel a little vulnerable at times. You know, I, I remember being a little scared, like, will this person say yes? Does this seem crazy? We've never met before. But I, I find that um, most, I, I feel so blessed because most of the people that I've sought out in my life, um, actually all, have willingly said yes and willingly sat down. And I think that is just such a beautiful trait of like women uplifting other women and, and yes, strengthening that village. We can't do this alone. And so um, that's just been such a, a lovely gift. And so I always vow when anyone else reaches out to me in the same spot that I will give that immediate yes as well and, and pass on um, that generosity and kindness and be that point of, of light because I've been, I've been lost, you know, as I said many times, I remember, in my 20s, back to the 20s, I did not have a lot of mentors in journalism, in the journalism field. And it was a pretty lonely spot. And I really felt like, you know, I didn't have anyone that I could call and bounce ideas off of. And then I just thought, you know, I can't wait for that. No one's going to find me. That's up to me. And I have to create that. So I think the power of mentors has been a great tool for me. Yeah. I'd I'd echo that, Lindsay. You know, people didn't tell us when we were 20 somethings, you know, have a mentor, but it's so, so important. And I think it helps because you connect with people that are struggling or have struggled with similar issues, pain points, and, and they can help you through their experiences. So it's nice to know that you're willing to pay it forward to other mm-hmm. women out there who are struggling. So going back yeah. to some struggles, what was a dark moment, maybe a challenge in your career over the last 20 some years where you persevered and you tapped into those tools? Hmm. Well, I remember back when I first started as a journalist, um, I just think that that fear of failure and that perfectionism really plagued me. And 
because you're live on the air a lot, I was so afraid of making these like public mistakes. And I had, I had some time, thank God that YouTube didn't exist and social media didn't exist. I had some times where there were some major flubs on the air and <laughs> some major mistakes that like probably would have gone viral now. Right. Um, and it was just so embarrassing. And like, after I would make a mistake, then it would be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I would like worry about making a mistake again on air and a report. And then I would get so nervous and stumble. And I, I was sort of creating these like anxiety attacks or panic attacks for myself. And, you know, to, to the point of one day, it was just like an all out meltdown on air. And I remember, this is actually so funny. I was doing a story on gas prices. You know, it was a time when gas prices were so high and I was a reporter in Reno, Nevada. And as I was reporting outside the gas station, this huge car accident happened behind me. And the station's like, it's like out of a movie, like, Lindsay, you're live. Tell us what's happening with the car accident. And I didn't know because I wasn't facing it. I couldn't figure out what it was. And I ran over there to figure it out. And I got out of breath and I was trying to report what was happening. And you can just imagine, it was just like this on-air meltdown. <laughs> and uh, I was like, like heaving for air gasping because I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what was happening. And I, I went back to the news station and there's this reporter next to me that, you know, not in a very loving way, in a very like brash way said like, uh, what could we do to make that less painful? And, you know, and it was like, I knew it was bad. And then someone confirming your worst fears was just an awful feeling. But again, like when the worst has happened and you're still standing, it was like, okay, I made a major mistake publicly. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. What can I learn from it? And, and he gave me some tools, like when you don't know what's happening, just admit to it. Don't pretend like you're the expert. And if you're, you know, ever like one, you know, if something like this happens again, you can just have the photographer pan the scene and you can just describe what you're seeing. And you can get better at this by narrating things that you see, you know, as you're driving to work, narrate everything that you see as you're driving to work. So you're more comfortable talking to yourself. So it's a long way of saying that that person gave me some tools to become better at my job. And, and that lessened the anxiety. So I think the lesson there is like a dark time in my life when I was still new at my job, I had some very public failures and public mistakes, but there, there are tools to rebuild and it's not as always as bad as it seems. So I don't know. I think I, I learned a lot from that. Like, you, you know, it's also okay to be human. It's okay to make, make mistakes and it's okay to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try, try again tomorrow. So absolutely. <laughs> I personally learn better when I fail yeah. um, and fall down. It's how you pick yourself up and you dust yourself off and it's how you move forward after that. You know what you that you might have articulated that better than I could, Gail, is failing forward. You know, failing forward, like propelling your mistakes or learning from your failures. And so that was a great, um, you know, it was just a great moment for me of like, you know, as a perfectionist, wow, I can be kind of split wide open and be vulnerable here and make these public mistakes. But guess what? I can move forward. And I think at the time I was like, I'll never be a reporter again. No one will ever hire me again. And, and, you know, I, I had almost 20 years as a reporter in the business. So yeah. So failing forward, Gail, that is, that is so poignant. And look at you now, Lindsay, from uh, being in the upper woods of Minnesota, carrying your own tripod, driving your own truck and being <laughs> your own reporter and camera woman. Look at you now, Seabird Studios. Yeah, well, you can, you can come a long way. And that is by like setting these little small goals at a time. And, and you know, it's so funny, I think back to journalism school and um, Gail, there was, you know, maybe a dozen people in our, our, my broadcast journalism track. 
and some of them are so talented, like so much more talented than, than I was naturally talented. But I think now there's only two of us left in, um, in the industry. And I would always think, well, why, you know, was I, why did I keep going with a career when others didn't? And it was just, I think just because I loved it, you know, it wasn't always because I was naturally talented at it. It was just that I, I loved it. And I would always kind of go back to the table and say, how can I be better tomorrow? And I never lost my love for, for the, the why of, of why I was doing this. Lindsay, what fuels you during these times? I think that first of all, like the promise of, of a dream, you know, that I'm standing at the edge of, right. That I, I, I get to tell these stories um, that I know can make a difference and create change faster. So I think that I really look at stories as a way of illuminating the world and, and shining a spotlight on a lot of the social problems that plague us right now. And so um, I think that stories have the ability to create empathy and change hearts and minds. And if you can reach people in, in, with deep within their soul and, and shift their hearts and their minds and you can create needed change faster. So I want to use storytelling as a vehicle of change for the betterment of the world. And I like to find stories that, that follow light because we need it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, sto of stories also like a little flame, you know, and flame by flame, you know, the, the story, the discussion around stories or the kindling, right? The sharing of stories or the kindling. And, and that's sort of how you set the world on fire. You know, going back to putting spotlights on, on people, right? Lucy Laney and Love Them First. You produce this award-winning documentary. What's next for you and Love Them First? I'm not sure. You know, it's like this, it's like this story that just keeps going on and on in different iterations that I never envisioned. And so I think first of all, since um, COVID-19 has destabilized our school systems and we're all in this distance learning, which no, everyone agrees is terrible, but it has to be done. Um, a lot of people are, are realizing the disparities that exist within our educational systems, especially for minority children and black and brown children. And so we've been getting a lot of um, inquiries from colleges and school districts across the country that are holding screenings um, to learn about educational disparities and trauma. And so I continue to hold a lot of like Zoom screenings for the documentary. And then, you know, we're here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is um, sadly the place where, where the murder of George Floyd occurred at the hands of the Minneapolis police. And we had weeks of, of racial riots that followed and a lot of racial unrest that has really um, been a seismic shift in our city. And we've been at the epicenter of this glo global movement to really open our eyes and address racism and this racial reckoning that our nation is really um, staring down right now. And so because of, as a result of that, a lot of people have been finding our documentary as well um, because it looks at, at, at black children in a, in a poor school. And so those two, you know, major like catastrophic events, COVID and George Floyd, many people say those are twin pandemics, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of people have been finding our documentary because they're trying to, to see examples of how people are addressing that well in, in, a, in a healing way and acknowledging trauma and uplifting children who sometimes didn't ask to be born into their circumstance. Mm -hmm. or, or not sometimes, they didn't ask to be born into the circumstances that they're in. And so, you know, really, if I would describe what is our documentary about, it's, it's loving every child where they're at, 
and looking at our children like they belong to all of us. It's not those children in, in that neighborhood. It's how do we embrace all of our children? They're children. They're pure. Mm-hmm. And they didn't ask to be facing, you know, these disparities or to, to walk out the door into a crime scene, right? And so we are hearing from people all over the country, from educators to social workers, um, university administrators that are trying to understand these issues. And again, what storytelling does is it, it teaches us, right? It, you know, Love Them First immerses you in a lot of these problems um, in a 90-minute film. And so a lot of people are, are um, in that moment screening it. So I think it's all that being said is it's gaining momentum still. It's been out for a year. And I think we think it's leading us into um, perhaps a sequel. And then I think we're going to look at developing some curriculum from that. If you follow our channels, we can, I'll kind of update you. But it's a story. It's a living, breathing story um, that doesn't have um, an end yet. I mean, I guess the end would be if racism is solved, right? But um, be a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, but we're in the thick of it right now. You are an example of a true Theodora, and I really appreciate you spending time with us and, and sharing your stories and it's always great to chat with you Lindsay uh, and I appreciate you you know putting yourself out there and, and putting one of our conversations on record thank you yes thank you well, I believe in you Gail I believe in your next venture and I can't wait to see what what it becomes well thank you and, and likewise I believe in you and I continue to cheer you on my beauty Thank you, Lindsay, for being my first podcast guest today. I'm honored that you spent time with us. The three things that I'm going to take away from today's conversation that I hope the listeners will also take are the three tools that you shared with us. Those being trusting your instincts, finding a mentor early on in your career, and how to fail forward. Those three tools that you carry taps into vulnerability. And the more vulnerable we are in life, the more willing we are to take a risk. It's not so much failure, in my opinion, as it is falling down and how we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and take that leap of faith. It is my sincere hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Lindsay Sievert. Thank you for listening to my first of many podcasts featuring a true Theodora, a woman in any industry, in any profession, who has reinvented herself along life's gifts of many seasons in their careers. We'd love your continued support, and I would be honored if you would subscribe to my newsletters, read my blog posts at gailkeller.org. There's also a list of recipes from our guests, easy recipes that you can make at home, because as working women, The last thing we want to do is think about what we're going to cook for dinner tonight for our families. I also encourage you to follow Theodora Speaks on social media. Thank you again. Stay courageous throughout your many seasons of life. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.